0: Everything is in evolution. The world around us is changing in many different ways every second of every day. This evolution is expanding exponentially in science, technology, communications, and our understanding of the past. Rapid changes are taking place that are transforming our bodies, minds, environment, and the planet itself into a different reality. A little over a 100 years ago, it would have taken over a month to send a letter from London to Los Angeles, and now communications make it possible for us to see worldwide events unfolding in real time in the palm of our hands. This unprecedented change in instantaneous human communication with billions of people across the planet is allowing for the transformation of humanity in ways that are unrecorded in human history. There is also a tremendous gap between us technological beings and ancestral humans. These humans are flourishing with little knowledge or connection to our world. What wisdom can we gain from the traditions and teachings of these people? What can we learn from them that can help us in our transformation? New technologies are blurring the lines between human intelligence and technology. Breakthroughs are on the verge of dramatically increasing our physical lifespan and expanding our consciousness towards immortality. How will these technologies impact us as individuals and as a civilization? The goal of this exploration is to gain insight into understanding the three age-old questions. Where did we come from? Who are we? And where are we going? Please join me on this journey into the known and unknown. Let's go. Welcome to Evolution Network. I'm David Mudrick. Our guest today is Kaylee Farron. Kaylee is a very creative person with many talents. She is an author, artist, and energy healer. She has even owned her own graphic design business. Her life has been shaped by some defining events since her early childhood. At the age of two, she was hit by a car and dragged for 25 feet her mother somehow lifted the car, freeing her from the crushing weight of the vehicle on her head. Kaylee spent two weeks in a coma before coming back to life. She was raised in a strict Catholic home, which had a significant influence on her early childhood. But it was a vivid dream about 15 years ago that seemed to catapult her in a new direction and change the course of her life. Kaylee, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: So tell us about this dream. Why was it different than a normal dream?
1: It actually felt like I went there, like it wasn't really a dream. When you have a dream, you get splices of things coming in and out and flashes of this and flashes of that. And nothing really seems to make sense in a dream. This was completely different. It was like watching a movie, only I was in it.
0: Do you believe that some part of you, your soul or something, actually went somewhere as opposed to this being a dream?
1: I believe I went to a place. I'm not sure exactly where it is. Um, my years of research since that dream have gotten me to think that I may have visited a place known as the Records. And the reason that I say that is because years after the dream, I was at a writer's conference in New York and a friend of mine sent me a picture of the ruins of Angkor Wat in Cambodia. And as soon as I saw the picture, it blew me away because it was the ruins of the place I had seen in my dream. And I didn't know anything about Angkor Wat at the time, but in my dream, I was there to receive knowledge. And Anchor Wat is believed to be the replica of a place known as Mount Meru, which exists in the cosmos in the Hindu faith. And the this Mount Meru is believed to hold the Akasic records. And the Akasic records, for those of the, your audience that don't know what that is, are believed to be the answers to every question that has ever been or ever will be asked in all of eternity. So for me to have gone to this place and been told I was being given knowledge and 10 years later to find out that the place that I was looking at the ruins of was actually built way, way, way back when in honor of a place that was known to hold the information, the acoustic records.
0: Wow, that's super cool.
1: Yeah, it blew me away.
0: So what were the actual details? So what happened in the dream? What do, you, what do you recall?
1: Well, when in the dream, I fell asleep within the dream. And when I woke up, I was nude and waist deep. Actually, when I woke up, I was floating on my back, looking up at the sky. And when I stood up, the water was waist deep. The water was really warm, not like bathwater warm, but not like ocean cold either or lake water either. It was just perfect temperature. And when I looked around, all of the flowers and the trees and everything were very big, not like giants lived there or anything, but they were just larger than anything I had seen here on earth. And the colors, and I'm an artist, so I know colors, and the colors there were unbelievable. like. Colors I had never seen before. It was the most beautiful place I'd ever seen. And when I turned around, there, were, there was this castle. And the steps going up to the castle were extremely steep and high up. And at the time of the dream, I was very afraid of heights. And for whatever reason, I was compelled to go up these steps. So I went up to the top of these steps. And at the top of the steps, there was a woman standing there. She was about eight feet tall, and my frame was what it is in life, and I was about five feet. So she was quite a bit taller than I am. And when she spoke to me, she didn't move her mouth. She actually spoke to me telepathically. And when I looked at her, her skin wasn't white, but it was very, very pale. And her hair was very long and thin. It looked like fish line, but it was white, very, very white and her, her face was kind of oblong, and her eyes were almond-shaped and black, and her nose and her mouth were very, very small. Um, but I wasn't afraid of her at all, and she telepathically asked me to go follow her inside of the castle, which is what I thought it was at the time. And so I did so, and she led me to an archway, very tall archway, no door on it. And when I went inside, there was another woman very similar to her, but they were not clones or anything like that. They were definitely different people. And she there was standing or sitting next to her was this pillar, and it kind of had an illumination of light, but I couldn't tell where the light was illumin where it was coming from, the resource of it. And on top of it was a dish, and inside was this elaborate dessert. And it reminded me of the movie I had seen years ago with Robin Williams and um, Julia Roberts. And it was a scene where the kids are all having a food fight and the, the dessert almost looked like um, maybe cool whip almost, but more firm than cool Whip. And when I ate it, it was the best thing I'd ever had in my life. And I ate the whole thing. <laughs> and that woman, after I'd eaten it, Instructed me to or asked me telepathically to follow her to the next archway and asked me to go inside And again, there was another woman Another pillar another dish another thing of dessert and this time when before I ate it I asked her why am I being asked to eat these things these desserts? And why am I not feeling full after I just ate that whole bowl of dessert in there and she she kind of laughed and she she said um, she, she touched my arm and she said, because this is how the creator has chosen for you to receive the knowledge. Wow. So I went from room to room. I don't even know how many rooms there were. There was a lot of rooms, but when I got to the very last room, as soon as I ate the dessert, I got super tired. And as soon as the thought entered my mind that I was tired, a bed appeared right next to the pillar and the woman telepathically told me to go ahead and lie down and when i woke up i was in my own bed and completely blown away by the dream i had just had i wrote 15 pages about that dream and at the time i said that that dream was going to be in my first book the, the principles behind the dream were going to be in my first book and whatever that meant i didn't know
0: wow so, fifteen pages from the dream, right? I mean, for and me, and I hadn't
1: start I hadn't started writing yet, <laughs> so that for me was like wow, fifteen pages after waking up out of sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's. But it's very
1: vivid, very vivid. I mean, I remember it in detail all these years later.
0: Yeah, just yeah. listening you describe in detail. I mean, uh, it's dr- like I'm
1: there again. I see it again. Yeah. Yeah. Even like to the detail of the building itself, when I went to um, and I really started looking closely at the architecture of Anchor Wat, of the um, ruins there, it looks the same as what my, was in my dream. But in my dream, it was all white marble, very uh, shiny, polished white marble. But the carving type stuff looked the same, which I was shocked by. And then the other thing that really shocked me, after I got the picture, I'm like, okay, now if this thing is surrounded by water, I'm going to fall out of my chair. And guess what? It's surrounded by water. (laughs) Yeah, it was just pretty shocking.
0: So how did you feel after this dream? Did you feel anything different? Did you think well, it was different? What kind of? Do you think you got some kind of knowledge? Like what was it?
1: Did I have no idea what knowledge I got, but what it did do to me is it catapulted me into uh, uh, years of, of reading and educating myself on the various kinds of religions and belief systems out there to try to find where I fit in. Because I did not fit in with the beliefs of Catholicism, it just didn't—it just didn't register within me. So I was in search of where I fit in.
0: So, what would you say? Were you religious or a spiritual person before this dream? What was your life like before that? What were you?
1: Well, I—I uh, I always did not feel that uh, what the Bible was teaching me was entirely accurate, accurate because it just didn't jive with my beliefs. But I do always feel that I've had a connection with God, a relationship with God, um, a very close relationship with God, I might add.
0: So after all your studies on different religions, uh, what kind of an insight did you get? Did you get anything that uh, caused you to think in a different way after doing this research?
1: Well, I would say that the biggest... um, the biggest impact that a religion had on me to change how I look at the world, how I look at myself, how I behave within the world was Kabbalah, the Kabbalah. Kabbalah, uh, Kabbalah Institute in California is where I really started doing my research. I'm not promoting that in any way, but their belief system is that when you go out into the world, you're out there and whatever energy you're feeling or Uh, experiencing your that's what you're putting out in there the world for us all to experience so if you if you want to have a good environment for yourself to live in you should try to keep yourself in a good mindset a good uh, frame of thinking you should treat each other with kindness you should be respectful you should behave the way you want people to treat you and in like that will change the vibration that we all live with them
0: hmm interesting so you were a creative person and did art before the stream. Uh, did anything change after? Do you think that your uh, subject matter was changed anyway? Did you see anything uh, differently when painting?
1: Um, for whatever reasons, I really was drawn to um, like American Indian culture and their philosophies. So I I did a lot of research into that. Um, I ironically stumbled upon a Cherokee um, shaman here in Prescott. And she's actually the one just within the past two years that has really helped me find my direction in life and what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I actually completed my uh, nine rites of the Munakai about almost two years ago. And what that does is it helps you... Um, Tap into the energy field that we all live in, and it helps you help other people tap into it as well.
0: So, what made you decide to train with this uh, healer and become a healer yourself?
1: (laughs) Well, that's a good story. I was, I moved to Arizona, and I Moved into a house that my studio was actually built into a crawl space that was basically all rock, dirt, unlike anything I'd ever seen from Minnesota, right? But there was a mold issue in that home that I was not aware of. So when I was in my studio, if I wasn't using a lot of toxic chemicals and stuff, I wouldn't have the fan on. And if the fan wasn't on, I was getting a backdraft coming in into my studio. So within two years of living in that house, I started having symptoms. By four years, I was extremely symptomatic. I was being tested for MS, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. I would leave my house and on at least three occasions where I would have appointments and I would be driving and completely not be able to remember where I'm going. I would go home completely frustrated, And remember half hour, hour later, darn it, I had a doctor's appointment or I had a dentist appointment or I had a hair appointment or whatever it might be. I had missed my appointment and I knew something was wrong. And I went, my husband and I went from place to place to place trying to figure out what was causing all of these symptoms and nobody could help me. I was getting a regular massage from a woman who Eventually, I was to the point where I could not cook dinner for two weeks. Then about two weeks after that, I couldn't get off the couch. I couldn't stand up straight. I was in so much pain. And my massage therapist told me that I needed to get in to see this Cherokee shaman and have a traditional shamanic healing as soon as possible. So within four days, I was in to see this woman. And I was on her table for two hours. And for those two, well, forever it felt like to me, my legs were literally in convulsions. And afterwards, when you talk when you go into these um, sessions with her, She'll talk to you for about an hour. She kind of gets a feel for what's you know going on in your life and things like that. And then she puts you on her tape on the table. You're laying down, and she does this chanting. She, I don't even know exactly what all she did, but um, whatever she did, it helped me. As soon as I sat up from the table, I could tell that my cognitive ability had returned.
0: What? I could
1: think clearly again. Um, I was afraid to touch my stomach because that's where most of my pain had, had um, migrated to, the center of my stomach. And it, I didn't touch my stomach for probably four hours after my session. <laughs> But when I did touch my stomach that night, the lump was gone. And I, the next week, I had my appointment with my massage therapist, and I didn't say anything to her. I'm laying there, and she had been working my stomach because I've been so much, in so much pain. And I'm laying there, and she's working my stomach, and I'm and she's like working it, and I could tell she couldn't feel it. She's like, "Have you been doing something different?" <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I said, "Yes, I had a healing with Rebecca." So yeah, Rebecca Cute hands changed my life and I hope to be able to do the same for a lot of other people.
0: So had you gone to a lot of regular medical doctors before you decided like to go to see a healer? Was that what
1: well I had gone to more doctors than I can count. I have had so many MRIs that I'm actually toxic with the metal that is in the contrast that they use for MRIs. Um, yeah, the doctors were telling me they couldn't find anything wrong with me. But yet I was in so much pain, I couldn't function. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't even, my thoughts were so bad, I would have to put my hands, like cuff my head with my hands to try to get my thoughts to slow down long enough to hang on to one of them to do something. I couldn't even take a step because my head was felt like it was just being whipped around so fast, I couldn't even grab a thought. It was terrifying.
0: Wow. So
1: I was actually suicidal. I had the cliff picked off out that I was going to drive off of. I had um, sleeping pills, pain pills, and a bottle of wine hidden just in case I lost my eyesight and couldn't see to find the things I needed so that even if I couldn't see, I would be able to take my own life. I was certain I was dying. I was in such bad shape.
0: Wow. So what do you believe, like, when you were in the depths of that state, do you believe that it was uh, all physical and that this healer uh, helped it go away? Or what, what, do you, what do you believe the situation Well,
1: ironically, was? when I was, there was a couple of doc. I think one in particular, that pretty much was trying to tell me that he thought that the stuff going on with me was in my head. And I looked at him like he was absolutely from Mars. There's no way in hell this pain could be coming from my head. (laughs) But after my healing, even though I do still have things going on, pain, you know, going on, I'm working on it. And I know that My medicine, my fire ceremonies, my meditation, and my connection with myself are going to get that to go away. So I do not believe that I have a a medical condition that needs the medical community to fix it. I believe that I have stuff going on within my body that needs to be adjusted and fixed and worked on, but I believe that I'm capable of doing that myself now.
0: Would you have believed that you could do that yourself either? I guess two questions before uh, the healing or before your dream. Um,
1: Well, I before the dream really didn't have that much of a spiritual impact on me at the time. It was only years later that I realized how significant that dream had actually been in catapulting to me to where I am today in my thought process and everything. And I mean, it's just now I realize, at the time, I did not realize how significant it was. I knew it was something unbelievable, and I was going to write about it, but in no way did I realize the uh, impact that dream ultimately has had on my life.
0: Have you had so any- I
1: had my healing.
0: Okay. Have you had any other strange occurrences happen to you since that dream?
1: Well, after my healing, two days after my healing, actually... I don't know where it came from but um about a week and a half before this a friend of mine from Minnesota had told me about a little girl who was 10 years old she had leukemia and she was not doing well at all and the mother she was the mother was Chinese and her husband was not this little girl's father the little girl's father had actually died a year or two earlier before the little girl got leukemia. So anyway, for whatever reason, I was compelled to go into a telepathic state and do a smudging on this little girl to help her shed the fear and the energy of dying because I thought she was dying. That's what the doctor said, she was dying. So uh, that was my intention when I went in to try and connect with her in a spiritual way. But when I actually was able to connect with her, um, the story was quite different. She told me that, oh, no, no, I'm not going anywhere. You need to go back and tell my mom. She actually said my mommy that I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I'm like, okay. So ironically, when I did the smudging on her, though, and this is something I found out later. And I've never done a smudging telepathically before. Since that time, I have done several, but that was my first. And when I did it, and I don't know if your audience knows what a smudging is, but you're literally starting at the crown chakra at the top of the head, and you're trying to move all the energy down the body and out the feet so it can leave the body and let the person have space for the, the healing light energy to come into their body. So when I was working on Anya, there was like all this black sand stuff, Falling off of her, like masses of it, and I was just kept going and going. I got really hung up on her head for whatever reasons, and finally, when I got past her head, I was able to move relatively quickly quickly down her body. But then all this black sand collected at her feet, and for whatever reasons, I was compelled to take my feather in my hand because I physically was holding a feather, and I was um, I had my eyes shut, but I had the feather in my hand. But my hand just started spinning in a circular motion. And in my eye, mind's eye, that black sand started to turn into white light. And it just became a super, super, super bright light. And when it, all the black sand had become white light, I brought it up to her crown chakra. And as soon as I did that, and as soon as it hit her head, the white light just started spinning down her body and up her body and down her body. So she was like cocooned in this white light. And it was amazing. It's such an emotional feeling. After that happened, I could barely walk. I called my shaman. I'm like, what the heck just happened to me? And she said, yeah, that's how it works. (laughs) I'm like, what works? She said, well, I told you when you were here that you're a healer. Well, you just did your first session, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) I was blown away.
0: So you didn't really know what to do. You just felt yeah. that you could do this. You just somehow felt that this child was... I felt
1: that I could connect to her. I was just trying to go in and help her not be afraid to die, that her father was going to be there waiting for her. That's why I went in, you know, to tell her, your dad's going to be there. Same thing when I lost my sister. I was telling her, because I was sitting at my sister's bedside, I was the last one to talk to her before she passed. And I called everybody over and I said, "It's she's going, she's gone. Because what I said to her was mom and dad are going to be there waiting for you. You're not going to be alone. I promise you, you're not going to be alone. And within two minutes, she passed. So I did the same thing with Anya. I was saying, you know, don't be afraid. Your father's going to be there. And that's when she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going anywhere. Well, to, to tell you what's going on with Anya now, she is cancer-free. And wow. it's an amazing, amazing story. I've kind of been... Brought into this family as a member of the family. It's it's just been quite an amazing um, spiritual experience. And it's really given me the um, confidence in myself to do the medicine that I know I'm capable of doing. Even though I'm not at the level that I want to be, I've got a lot to learn. I know that the mind and connecting with another can, can be very, very powerful. You can change a lot of things when you two get together.
0: So you actually went to meet her in person? What was that like the first time? Oh,
1: my God. You know what she said to me the first time when I walked into her house? I almost fell over. At that time, she could only talk to me through the computer. She was still in a wheelchair and all that. She couldn't feel her legs yet. Um, She couldn't talk yet. And so she's talking through the computer, and she said, Do you remember me? Wow. I'm like, (laughs) Of course I remember you, sweetheart. I will never forget you. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. Um, Yeah. I've seen the family twice now. So, yeah, they're amazing.
0: Incredible story. Yeah, Yeah. just incredible. So let's talk a little bit about the accident with the car and you being in a coma. Uh, Do you have any direct recollection of the accident or... Is it just like what your family had told you?
1: I have no recollection of the accident at all.
0: So what did did they, what does your family tell you? So how did this uh, incident really happen?
1: Well, my family tells me one thing, because I'm not hearing it from my parents. The one I'm hearing it from is my sister, who's a year and a half older than I am. But my, sis, my best friend, her and I have been best friends since we were one. And we lived across the street from each other growing up. So her mother is still alive. And her mother is the one I believe the most because she saw what happened. And she said that it was the talk of the neighborhood for years because my mother had literally lifted the car off of my head. And I was in such bad shape that when the police officers got there, They weren't willing to even wait for the ambulance to arrive. They took me to the hospital in the police car. My sister can actually remember how tight they strapped her into the car because she had to go with. My mother was by herself. So anyway, that's, yeah, that's all I really know.
0: Do you think you could have had a near-death experience uh, when you were in this coma?
1: Um, After everything that I've gone through and everything that I've learned, there's no question in my mind that I had a near-death experience at that time.
0: Do you have any recollection of uh, contacting anyone when you're in that coma, or do you think someone someone possibly could have helped you like you helped Anya?
1: Well, I think the reason that I think that something happened is because I'm so different from everybody else in my family. Um, I never really realized how different I was until I got to Arizona. And I just started to see that I always thought everybody cared about each other as much as I cared about everybody. And I really quickly, I don't know if it was that I was getting older and I was seeing things differently or what it was, but I really began to see the world um, as it really was and not through the clouded uh, rose-colored glasses that I had been seeing before. And that was very hard for me to take. It very alienating, actually. I kept telling um, my husband, I don't feel I belong here. This is not where I want to be. I don't think people are kind to each other. I don't want to be in a place where people treat each other like this. And um, I still feel that way to a certain degree. I hope to God that, you know, there's a lot of changes happening in the vibration on the planet. And I think that we're together making strides to open the channels of um, People awakening their minds to a, a better way of treating each other and the planet and everything. I'm hoping. I'm hopeful.
0: Hmm. Well, what about uh, you had told me earlier that you've had some other strange occurrences, either with
1: uh, oh. <laughs>
0: some other entities. I don't know what to call them. Or okay. Yeah. Or and I was things.
1: on the telephone. and Well, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. I have been going out to the desert. I've been following this um, this uh, gosh, what's his name, Dr. Stephen Greer. Oh, yeah.
0: Greer, yeah, Greer, yeah, Stephen Greer.
1: Stephen Greer, and he has this sound thing that you play when you go out into an isolated area to try to connect with extraterrestrials or entities, other than us. So we've done that twice. And the first time that I did it, that, that night I didn't really have anything. But the next day I was sitting there meditating and all of a sudden it was like I my head, it was like I was something was happening to my head. I almost felt like I was getting some kind of a download or something because it was just so much pressure on my, my third eye. I couldn't even open my eyes. Something was happening. And I told my friend, I'm like, holy cow, something just happened to me. I don't know what it was, but something happened. So we did it again. And that time it was more when it happened, it was more that I was, um, not that I got that down low feeling, but more that I had like a, uh, a feeling like I wasn't really there anymore. I had left where we were. I'd like transcended myself up to the stratosphere, like completely. So it was different, nothing. We didn't connect. We didn't see any aliens. So we felt like we'd failed. So I thought, okay, well, what the heck? I'm going to do it when I get home. So a couple of days later, maybe three days later, and I normally meditate in my dining room in front of my altar, but for whatever reason, I think it was because my dog was barking. I meditated in my bedroom that morning and That night I'm I'm leaning against my bed and I'm facing my bathroom door and all of a sudden this like white cloud thing appeared in the doorway and I looked at it and I'm like, what the heck is that? And I walked towards it and I put my finger through it and it was like a hologram and I'm talking to my friend and I'm like, I'm going to have to call you back. I'd have to take some pictures of this. I don't know what the heck just appeared in my house. So I hung up and I started snapping pictures. I took, I don't know, four or five, six pictures. I don't know. But then I tried to take a video. And mind you, I've taken lots and lots of videos, okay? I take videos of live music all the time. I'm trying to videotape a cloud moving through my bathroom. And my flipping finger is over the lens. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. But anyways, ironically, when I was at two different events and telling people about this, they, I didn't even have to tell them. They said, your finger was over the lens, wasn't it? How did you know that? And they said, because they didn't want you to have a video. They allowed you to have the photos, but they didn't want you to have a video. Oh, I had another one, too. Uh, this was actually with my husband. I was, uh, we were driving back from uh, Bradshaw Ranch from Sedona, out in the middle of nowhere. We were in the Jeep. Super, super, super dark out. I was afraid to get out of the car. I was more afraid of like a bear or a mountain lion or something like that. Not any alien type thing. But we were out there to see because there has been reported things at this Bradshaw Ranch, orbs and things like that. I didn't know about the orbs at the time though. But I knew that there was alien activity and the government had taken over Bradshaw Ranch and blah, blah, blah. So I was curious about it. But he never said anything to me about orbs, right? (laughs) So... I'm sitting there. He's standing outside of the car, and I've got one foot in his seat and one foot in my seat, and I'm through the sky skylight thing, skyroof thing. And I was kind of uh, facing to my left, talking to him. And all of a sudden, something white about this, bigger than a softball. It was an orb. It was definitely an orb. <laughs> Went shooting by me, super close. It wasn't, it wasn't um, 30 inches from me. I would say it was probably 20 inches from me. It was so close when it went past me. And I didn't say anything to him because I didn't want him to think I was a complete nut job. (laughs) So we're probably driving 15 minutes later in the car. And then he starts telling me about these orbs. I'm like, I just saw one. (laughs) He's like, well, why the heck didn't you say anything? I said, I didn't want you to think I was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So I had that happen too. Oh, and then I had my girlfriend here visiting from Minnesota and we were sitting, we just come back from a movie, and we were sitting out on my patio. She was smoking a cigarette, and all of a sudden she says, what the hell is that? And I look up and there's like the star, looks like it's like bouncing from one point, and when it was dropping quite a ways too. And I'm like, God, what the heck is that? So I quick ran in my house and I got my telescope. And I, I had enough time to get my telescope set up, look at it. And when I had my eye directly on the eyepiece, it just looked like a star, but when I brought my eye a little bit off of the eyepiece, you could see it was like two plates facing you, and the outer plate was spinning clockwise and the inner plate was spinning counterclockwise, and they were all super, super bright pastel lights like pinks, blues, greens, purples, all pastelly colors, really super bright though. My girlfriend was completely freaked out, wanted to go into the house, she was scared. And I'm like, hell no. My husband actually was very upset that I didn't go wake him up. But I was afraid that if I did that, I would miss it. So I didn't do anything. I just stared at stayed there, and <laughs> stared at it. Um, and then all of a sudden, it just took off up into the sky and was gone. Wow. Yeah.
0: So let's go back to the entities or whatever they were, beings uh, that were in your house. This, have you showed those photos to anyone? What does anyone say well, about them? What do you think they are?
1: Well, after after it happened, my house, because I can really feel energy, good and bad energy. And after it happened, I literally felt like I was walking on lotus flowers in my house. The energy was so beautiful and tranquil and calm. And I was going through a lot at the time. So it was shocking that my house felt like that. But it did. So... Yeah, it was amazing. And then the very next day, I had a session with a woman who is an empath. She can literally feel your pain and things like that. And I was telling her what happened. She said, I can feel the energy in your house. It's amazing. So she could feel it too the, the next day.
0: So what do you think these were, and where did they come from? or what do you? What's...
1: I actually personally think it was from another dimension. Um, I think it was a hologram. I think it was checking me out. I think it was checking me out for possible actual connection. Something in the future. Which I'm open to. I'm perfectly, I want to help the planet in whatever way I can. If someone from another dimension, another planet, wherever, if they can come here and give me some information that's going to help me help us, I'm all for it.
0: So do you think it could be related to the dream? It sounds like maybe you're thinking that there are other entities or energy and other dimensions that might be able to come here and impart some kind of knowledge to you Absolutely. or us.
1: Yes, I do believe that. And I do believe that it's possible to get downloads into your crown or into your third eye directly from source, from the acoustic records. In meditation, I go there. When I'm in meditation, I get answers to a lot of the questions that I have, and it's because I'm going there to asking them. When I go into meditation, I go in with intention. I, want, I need answers to certain things. And sometimes I'd see I get answers I wasn't even asking for.
0: Well, you know, there's, there's a guy who just recently came out with a book, uh, Ray Hernandez. Uh, The book's kind of a long title. It's The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. Mm. And it's like an 800-page book. And what he did was uh, gather information on 4,000 cases, kind of like yours, from all over the world, from like 100 different countries. And what he found is that uh, a big percentage of these people have multiple experiences like you, like they've had Uh, vivid or lucid dreams they also have seen ufos orbs they've had contact with uh, uh relatives who have passed
1: oh that's another one i had my sister my sister that passed the one i was just telling you about that passed you know right two minutes afterwards like two years after i moved to arizona i was really missing her bad i was so depressed and i asked her to come to me and talk to me and it was so weird because I knew I was awake because my husband was laying next to me, scrolling on his, his phone, checking his email. So I knew I was awake and she appeared to me. I couldn't really see her. She was more like a energy that I could see. I don't know how to explain that. It was more like, almost like kind of what I saw in my bathroom, actually, now that I think about it. In my mind's eye, that's what it kind of looked like when I was communicating with her. That's weird that I just made that connection. Um, anyway, so... When I was talking to her, I initially was asking her if she was okay, and she said she was, and then I asked her if, her if she was with my mom and dad, and she was, and I had to go to the bathroom, so I got up, I went to the bathroom, I came back and asked her to come back to me, and she did, and this time when she came back to me, she actually laid on the pillow next to me, and I could see her as my sister, so it changed, it was actually Teresa Lane next to me, and we were talking, and... I don't really remember what I asked her or if we just were just laying there in each other's energy. I don't remember now. It's a long time ago. But it was just the most amazing experience. It was so profound for me. I called her husband the next day and I said, Teresa, or that day, and said, Teresa came to me this morning. I know she did. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was. I felt so happy afterwards. I felt so much less alone after she did that. I think she came because she knew how alone I was feeling because I had no friends in Arizona. I mean, I really didn't, and my husband worked all the time. So I was lonely. I really was.
0: So do you think everyone has these abilities, or do you think... Uh you're somehow special and are ha- the dreams <laughs> maybe that wasn't the right thing, special, but uh, <laughs> I
1: think we're all special babe <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, or did this dream did these beings somehow open you into a pathway into another realm or what did, what's your theory on like you know why well, I
1: believe that we all have a divine timing in our lives. I believe that we choose the life that we step into. I believe we choose our parents, our siblings, um, what we are going to be doing in our lives. I believe we we choose the big events, like who we marry, the children we're going to have, whether or not we're going to get hit by a car or not, you know, events that are really significant in our lives. That car accident, by the way, had nothing to do with me. That car accident, in my opinion, was for the people that witnessed it and had to deal with it. I was just a little child. It had nothing to do with me. It was for them. And that I had agreed to that for them to learn something from. I believe that everything that we do here, good and bad, is a learning experience. There's no mistakes. It's all, everything is something we can learn from. Everything. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I've got one final question for you. So what impact do you wish to have on the planet and the people here for the rest of your life? Well,
1: if there's anything that I could advise everyone listening and to them to tell everyone they know and love and care about. and you know, We're living in some very trying, stressful times, and it's hard to keep a clear focus on what matters to us. And I think that if we don't take the time to really connect with ourselves, How are we possibly supposed to connect with the people around us? So meditation is key. And I believe that if you start a a routine of meditation every single morning, every single night, if you can, at least once a day, it will change your life astronomically. Above anything else I could suggest for someone to do, it would be to meditate.
0: Well, thank you. That's such great advice. Well, Kaylee, I truly appreciate you being on the show, and best of luck to you in your pursuit of your dreams.
1: I thank you. You too. I, I'm sure your podcast is going to be a hit. There's so many people interested in this topic. I think that once you actually start getting people listening and talking about it, we're going we're gonna to change the planet. We really, truly are going to change the planet.
0: Well, thank you again. And I would really appreciate it if all the audience would uh, rate this podcast on Apple iTunes. And there's also going to be a link in the episode notes where you can leave me your email address if you'd like to schedule a free 20-minute call with me to discuss this episode or anything else on your mind. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. See ya. For more information on today's episode, please see the following links in the show notes. There will be links for the photos and a GIF file of the entity that visited Kaylee. There will be a link to the Ray Hernandez book and website, and also a link to the Stephen Greer website and movies.